We hope you're blessed and encouraged by the following study from Calvary Chapel, Elmani. It's our simple prayer that you would grow stronger and deeper in an intimate and personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Should you have any questions, please feel free to contact us here at Calvary Chapel, Elmani. Praise God. Well, if you have a Bible today, let's open up to 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, in verses 1 through 5, we'll see the sending of Timothy. And then in verses uh, 6 through 8, we'll see the return of Timothy. Have you guys ever seen those movies? Um, maybe you're, you haven't, and so I don't know if that's probably actually good, but where there's those war movies, you know, and there's this big battlefield, and you know, uh, kind of like I, I'm thinking, I, I, I think the movie, I think it's Gladiator, uh, where even in the beginning they have that war, and it's like you just see all these dead bodies, right, scattered across this big, huge battlefield, and you see the 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 the, the, the victors, some of the guys, they're they're still standing, right? They got blood all over them. They've probably got marks and bruises and. And, you know, they're just uh, absolutely uh, worn out. But, man, at the end of the battle, they're, they're still standing. You know, Christianity is a lot like that. There's this battlefield going on. And, you, you know, you're here today. It doesn't mean you're going to be standing in the end. You're here today in the church, in the local congregation. And, you know, uh, there's a lot of debate. You know, Calvinism, oh, once saved, always saved. And you know what? I, I, I just know what the Bible says. And the Bible just says that you have, to, you have to stand in the end. You have to hold on to the end. You have to hold firm to the end. And some will say, well, then they were never saved. Okay, go ahead and say that if you want. But I do know this, that they were sitting in the chairs that you're sitting in and they're going to the churches that you're going to and they're even preaching from the pulpits that you know, these guys are preaching from and they're not standing anymore. So you go ahead and figure out whatever the theological soteriology that you hold on to. But I know this, that at the end of the day, there's this battle. And, and the, the question is, um, will you be standing? And that's why it's so important, I think, to be in prayer, to be in the Word, to be in fellowship. And, uh, and what I was thinking, uh, you know, because I was thinking sometimes when you do a study... You know, they say it's good to give it a title. I'm not real good at giving titles. I don't think I do that. I haven't done that in years. And I thought, well, well what would I give a title of this study? I would say, I would say um, two legs to stand on, a sharing and caring. Did they, is sharing, is, would they say caring is sharing? Is it the other way? Sharing is caring? How many say caring is sharing? <laughs> It's a debate. They're like, hey, if you care, you share, right? If you share, you care. Anyways, that's what, I, that's what I see out of our study today. Two legs to stand on. At the end of the day, I want you to stand. I want to stand. And I know this, that you got to care, so you got to share. And together, I was thinking about my mom. I took her out to, to, to uh, lunch the other day, and, uh, you know, she can't walk that well. And so I had to, you know... She had to hold on to my arm, and you know we're just walking, and you know she needs help. Uh, been through a lot her, her in her life physically, and she can't. She falls down a lot, so she needs help standing. And that's the way it is in the church as well. You know we got to be there for each other, 
And we got to help each other. Look what we read here in 1 Thessalonians 3. It says, Therefore, when we could no longer endure it, we thought it good to be left in Athens alone and sent Timothy, our brother and minister of God and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ to establish you and encourage you concerning your faith that no one should be shaken by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we are appointed to this. For in fact, we told you before when we were with you that we would suffer tribulation just as it happened. And, and you know, for this reason, when I could no longer endure it, I sent to know your faith, lest by some means the tempter had tempted you and our labor might be in vain. We see, first of all, here in verses 1 through 5, the sending of Timothy. The sending of Timothy. And we see, first of all, the when. When did it happen? We'll read that there in verse 1, when we could no longer endure it. That's when. Uh, Down in verse 5, same thing. It's repeated, for this reason, when I could no longer endure it. Uh, One translation says that we could stand it no longer. Another says we could bear it not. You know, Paul was going crazy. He was going crazy with his Christian care and concern for those in Thessalonica. He was wondering, he was maybe even worried about how they were doing. Uh, If you remember the background to this right here, after three weeks of ministering in Thessalonica in the second missionary journey, and you guys know three weeks isn't a long time, huh? It's not. I mean, that's nothing, right? So he was there for three weeks, but he had to split. He had to flee for his life because the Jews in Thessalonica came after them. Remember, if you would, Mark 1 Thessalonians 3 and go back to Acts 17. Acts 17 in verse 1, it says, Now when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica. And this is the, the letter that we're writing, the letter to the Thessalonians, right? Where there was a, a synagogue of the Jews. And then Paul, as his custom was, went into them and for three Sabbaths, and so there's three, right? Three Sabbaths reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and demonstrating that the Christ had to suffer and rise again from the dead and saying, this Jesus whom I preach to you is the Christ. And, and some of them were persuaded And a great multitude of the devout Greeks and not a few of the leading women. So a lot of the non-Jews, the Greeks, uh, got saved. And then a lot of the leading women there got saved. It says right here, then they joined Paul and Silas. But notice in verse 5, the Jews who were not persuaded, becoming envious, they took some of the evil men. They they gathered some of these guys and, and from the marketplace And they gathered a mob. And they set all the city in an uproar and attacked the house of Jason and sought to bring them out to the people. You know, we see some of these things on on TV. Have you ever seen the news and the the riots in the city and the the turmoil? I think we can visualize that. I mean, this this is really heavy stuff. And so they went to this guy Jason's house and they were looking for Paul and Silas. That's who they were looking for. But when they did not find them... They dragged Jason and some brethren to the rulers of the city, crying out, I love this, these who have turned the world upside down have come here too. 
Isn't that cool? <laughs> Man, these guys have turned the world upside down, and here they are. I, I pray one day, one day, the Lord would say that about us. What a testimony. But Jason has harbored them, they said, and these are all acting contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying there was another king, Jesus, and they troubled the crowd and the rulers of the city when they heard these things. And so when they had taken security from Jason and the rest, they they let them go. And then the security may be some, some type of a bond or something, you know. Um, and so, you know, they let these guys go. But notice in verse 10, then the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. And when they arrived, they went into the synagogue of the Jews. And so, can you guys track me so far? You guys kind of know what's going on, right? They were there in Thessalonica. Uh, they were preaching Jesus, real beautiful powerful message you know if you're here today and you don't know the lord if you're here today and you're struggling or maybe you're here today and you're you know maybe you're not ready have you ever tried eating an avocado when it's not ripe? okay maybe you're here today and you're not you're not i'm not ready for this and i and i wish you were i wish you would just wise up and get saved but unfortunately some people you know what they got to go through the heartache and they got to go to the hard time and they got to get busted and they got to you know, you name it, and, they, and then, then one day you'll remember this. The answer is Jesus. Jesus. That's what they were preaching. They were just preaching Jesus. The devil was so mad about that that what he did was he sent uh, these guys and they gathered a mob and there was this crazy thing going on, kicked them out of the city, and so they went to the next city. They went to Berea. And let's read this right here because it actually contributes to what we're studying in 1 Thessalonians 3. It says in verse 11, and, and these in Berea, they were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica, referring to the Jews, and that they received the word with all readiness and searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. Therefore, many of them believed, and also not a few, in other words, a lot of the Greeks, prominent women as well as men, but notice this, when the Jews from Thessalonica learned that the word of God was preached by Paul at Berea, they came there also and stirred up the crowds. You see, I mean, these Thessalonian Jews, they were, they were something else. And you're going to see, we're going to look at a map right now, um, that they followed them there. And when they heard that that was going on, they stirred up the crowds and they brought opposition to Berea. So, you know, just to give you a little understanding of the setting in Thessalonica, where the Thessalonian church was, I mean, they, they were there in the middle of extreme persecution. Like some of the countries that we read about today, I don't know if you know this or not, but did you know that every single day, they say on the average 210 Christians die for their faith Every day, some say 300. Every five minutes, a Christian is laying down his life because he is a Christian. They say that there's hundreds of, of, uh, of millions of Christians who are denied the basic rights because they're Christians. You know, so you guys probably know a little bit about this. This is going on. This is the setting that was there in Thessalonica. And so these guys came and they even brought the opposition to Berea. And then it says in verse 14, Then immediately the brethren sent Paul away to go to the sea. But both Silas and Timothy remained there. 
And so then we don't have time to read the whole story, but then what ended up happening was they went to, Paul went to Athens. Okay, when he got to Athens, uh, they met up with Timothy and these guys, uh, Silas. Uh, but what ended up happening was Paul sent them back to Thessalonica. He said, I'd rather be alone. And that says a lot. I'd rather be alone than wonder what's going on with these Thessalonians. In other words, he really cared, right? And so he sent them back to uh, Thessalonica. He sent Titus to Philippi. And then in, in, in 1 Thessalonians, what happens is Timothy came back with the report, and now he gives the response. And what Paul, by that time, is in Corinth. And when he was in Corinth and these guys came back, it really, really blessed his heart. We have a map here. Uh, I think we do. Okay, let's see if I can do this. <laughs> All right, um, can you guys see the little red dot there? Okay, that's where the missionary journey began. And then he just travels up north. He goes west. And then you see he travels up to Philippi. But you see Thessalonica right there? Okay, that's where he was. They go to Berea. The Jews followed him there. That's probably at least uh, 40 miles. But notice the journey down from Berea. Notice the route he has to take to Athens. A lot of sailing. It's a big, long journey. And you look at that journey and you're like, wow, um, I can't believe that he would actually send him back to Thessalonica. But that's how important they were to him. And then you'll notice that Paul next went to Corinth. And then that's where they met up. And so just to give you kind of a visual, we even have one other map right after this that, cl uh, that kind of closes in on the area. I'm pretty sure we do. Yeah, and that one just kind of closes in on the area. And you can see Macedonia up north and Thessalonica right there in that box. And then down, Paul travels and... Uh, if you read chapter 18 of Acts, look at 18 in verse 1. After these things, Paul departed from Athens and went to Corinth, right? And then if you go down to verse 5, when Silas and Timothy had come from Macedonia, okay, now is when they meet up again, Paul was compelled by the Spirit. Uh, he was just blessed, man. The God, God just blessed him when these guys came back. And then he began to minister even more effectively in Corinth. And what you'll find when you study the life of Paul is that he wrote Thessalonica from the city of Corinth. And so, anyways, back in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, you get some background to what's going on. And, and so, you know, this type of persecution is taken on and taking place in Thessalonica he says, so when we could no longer endure it, and it's, it's been a, a considerable amount of time, then what does he do is he sends Timothy. Notice again, 1 Thessalonians 3, therefore when we could no longer endure it or bear it or stand it, we thought it could be, it'd be good to left in Athens, notice, alone, and sent Timothy, our brother and minister of God, and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ, to establish you and encourage you concerning your faith that no one should be shaken by these afflictions. And so, caring is sharing, right? 
And even sometimes sharing people, right? And then when Timothy goes, he's going to share, obviously, the word with them because he also cares for them. You know, and, and so what we find is Timothy, this guy is amazing. His name means honoring God. And he had come such a long way from his first missionary journey when Paul you know, met this young man and he got saved. And we read that account in Acts chapter 16, verses 1 through 3. Paul was used by God to bring Timothy to the faith, right? And we read that in 1 Timothy 1, 2, where Paul calls him a son in the faith. So first missionary journey, this young guy gets saved. You know, this like little 16-year-old. You know, he gets saved, right? And so the next time around is probably about five or six, five or six years later. This guy had grown. He had grown tremendously to become a man of God. You know, and this is a quick side note there. I know some Christians, they've been Christians for, you know, 26 years. And it's like you don't even see their growth. There's no change. Their wife can't testify or whatever. I mean, no one, there's nothing different. Sometimes they even seem to get worse. They're saved maybe, but it's like, what's up? Why, why aren't we growing? Timothy, in six years, five years, he grew tremendously, so much so that by the time the second missionary journey took place, everyone was saying, hey, this guy really loves the Lord, man. He has a calling on his life. And, you know, so Timothy, an amazing guy, was then picked up by Paul. Now, we retract it right there, the second missionary journey. So he just picked him up. Now he, he gets to know him so well that he sends him back. And he says, man, there is something about this guy that is really true to his name. He's honoring to God. Now, there are some who believe part of the reason Paul sent Timothy rather than going himself is because it would be less conspicuous. Now, who were the Jewish leaders after? They wanted to kill who? Paul and Silas. And so he said, okay, well, we won't go back. That might be like actually testing God. See, you always have to use wisdom, ask God for the directions and what to do. So he said, well, we'll send Timothy. Right, and uh, that would be less conspicuous. That's that's part of the reason. I, I will say this though: I don't think it's the heart of the reason. I think the reason he sent Timothy is because Timothy was amazing. Timothy was an amazing son in the faith. You know, and we see that even in the things that Paul says here. You know, I believe that Paul had grown to. Trust Timothy, and that is a huge thing when it comes to the ministry. Notice what he says about Timothy. He, he says, and, and sent Timothy, our brother. Number one, Timothy was not only a son in the faith, he was also a brother. Uh, he was a brother with you know another mother, right? The, the mother is the church, right? And he was a brother. Hey, bro. You know, nowadays we use that word, hey, bro, but are you really a bro? I mean, while you know the Lord, you're a bro, but do you, are you really a bro? Are you a brother in the faith? He, he was a brother, a beautiful thing. What a compliment coming from Paul. Secondly, he's identified here as a minister of God. Now, you might find it surprising to know this. That that's the only time this phrase is found in the Bible, a minister of God. Paul's speaking very highly of him. The word ministers, that word diakonos, it's one who executes the commands of another. And so he's not only a minister, he's a minister of God. 
And what we find right here is Paul is really sharing some beautiful things about Timothy. John Stott said this, perhaps Paul gave Timothy this exalted description because he wanted to show that in sending him, he had sent a gifted and qualified representative. Otherwise, we might have expected Paul to describe him as our brother and our fellow worker. He said it was a daring assertion to say that he was a minister of God. But he knew that. He saw that in Timothy's life. And I believe that Paul wrote this uh, and sent Timothy, you know, uh, so it would be less conspicuous, it would be wise. See, I'm going to, you know, send Timothy. They're, they're not really, you know, he's not on the wanted list necessarily. And uh, he's a great guy. I'm saying this, I'm writing this about him, so that when he goes and ministers to you, you really receive his ministry, because I believe this about him. But it's not just words. I, I really do believe this about him. And what we find is that he sent his trusted companion and fellow worker to them because even though he couldn't be there himself, he did the next best thing. Have you guys ever been in a situation like that where you can't go and it's a sensitive situation? Who will you send on your behalf? And then you have somebody and you know somebody that, you know what, not that you're all that, but it's like almost like, you know what, they will represent the church well. They will represent you know, me well. That's what Timothy was with Paul. We know later Paul sent him to Corinth, according to 1 Corinthians 16, 10, 11, and then he sent him to Philippi in Philippians 2, 19. We know that Paul eventually uh, set him to be the pastor in Ephesus, and later when he was about to die, he called for Timothy and he said, hey, can you be with me in this time? Timothy was such a great son and brother and minister in the faith. And he had so many good reasons to believe this, good things to say about Timothy in 1 Corinthians 16.10. It says, for he does the work of the Lord as I also do. And then in Philippians 2.19-22, through 22, it says, But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly, that I may also be encouraged when I know your state. Check this out. For I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state, for all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ Jesus. But you know his proven character, and that as a son with his father, he served with me in the gospel. And so, when did Paul send Timothy when he could no longer endure it? And who was this guy, Timothy? Well, he's pretty amazing. He's a bro. He's a minister of God. And then thirdly, he describes him there as a fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ. Romans 16.21, same thing, Timothy, my fellow worker. And, you know, that would be kind of like, to me, it would be kind of like if one day Billy Graham said, hey, you guys, listen to Manny. He's my fellow worker. <laughs> You know, it's kind of like that, whoa, man, Paul would say that about Timothy, right? And that's what we read right here. He's the fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ. And, you know, uh, I was thinking about that today, especially because tomorrow's Labor Day, right? And so you guys are going to labor tomorrow, right? <laughs> and you're like, no way, I'm going to kick back, man. How many of you guys have the day off tomorrow because of Labor Day? It's an interesting history to the holiday. I won't go into it, but I know most of us here, you know, we, 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 uh, we don't like to labor. 
You know, uh, I think most of us here, we kind of like do whatever we can not to labor, you know. And I remember even as a, as a young guy, I remember my first job, I was at this market called the Pantry in Duarte, and I remember just running around. I was, oh, I was just hustling, man. And some of the other guys, they didn't like it. And they're just like, hey, kick back, or they might expect that from all of us, you know. And, and, and you know, they would just tell you, you know, there's ways to work around it, and you've got to learn the system and all that. And you know what, that's, I don't know, to me, to be a hard worker in your job or wherever you are is so important, I believe, but especially in the kingdom of God. You know, right here he talks about him being a fellow laborer. You know, are you a laborer? How are you laboring for the gospel? You know, I pray that God would stir us up, and it's not, you know, toil. Uh, It's not like... The other day I was reading through Ezekiel 44 with my family and we were talking about how the priests, they couldn't wear garments that made them sweat. So it's not necessarily that that perspiration as much as it is that inspiration where God really just moves you and guides you and leads you and you're laboring. You know, we've got to be careful. And I don't want to offend anybody, but man, we've got to be careful that we don't get lazy. Don't be lazy. Well, I've got to take a nap. Oh, you should pray. <laughs> You know, I mean, you guys, let's labor for the Lord. Jesus said in Luke 10, 2, the harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And Timothy was a bro. He was a minister of God and a fellow laborer with Paul in the gospel of Christ. We see the when and we see the who and then we see the why. Notice there again in verse 2 that he sent Timothy, our brother, minister of God and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ to establish you and encourage you concerning your faith. You know, he wanted to be used by God. And, you know, we see these, uh, you know, these, these Christians and, uh, and they're new Christians. And a lot of times I think what ends up happening is we don't realize that before they can walk, they need to learn how to stand. Right? And that's not the way it is. I mean, I know some kids, they skip crawling. They just kind of like they start walking, right? But there's no kid that can walk without having first developed the strength to stand. Right? And that's the, the same mentality has to take place in the Christian world that we got to teach these people, we got to be used by God to establish them and, and to teach them to stand in the Lord, right? The word stand, it means to fix and make stable and strengthen and make firm. Paul longed for the church to be established. We see the same thing there in chapter 3, verse 13, so that he may establish your hearts. You know, some people, they never really get stable. And so Paul wanted them to stand. And in one sense, this is the mindset that we need to have, the stability. And here's the thing. You know, um, Paul wasn't, he knew what we were supposed to do. You don't just get people to say the prayer. Right? You got to do more than that. You don't just make converts. You make disciples. 
Right? And so they got saved. Praise God. He knew they were saved. Praise God. But he followed up on them. How are you guys doing? He wanted to establish them in the midst of such difficult circumstances. Warren Risby said Paul was not only an evangelist, he was also a pastor. He knew that soul winning was but one part of the commission God gave him. These new believers must also be taught and established in the truth. And if I could just at this point give a plug to our new believers class. We have that coming up. Right? And Richard's going to be sharing that, that, that class. And if you've never taken it or if you're a new believer or you're new to all these things, I encourage you to sign up for that class because you need to be established. You need to be firmly planted so that when the, the JWs come knocking at your door or someone else, they don't turn you into a theological pretzel. Okay? Because then they'll eat you. They'll put like cheese sauce on you and eat you, you know? you got to know what you believe and why you believe. And it's not just an emotional thing. It's not just a feeling thing. You have to know, oh yeah, here it says in the Bible, Jesus is God. Oh yeah, this is why we believe in the Trinity. This is how we know it's, you know, faith. I mean, that's why Paul said we got to go back. we got to make sure these guys are established. It's interesting. The same Greek word is translated strengthen. In Luke 22, verse 32, Jesus told Peter, But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail, and when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. And do you guys realize that we can actually be used by God to strengthen our brethren? That's what Timothy was going to go do. He was going to go establish them and strengthen them. Others like Peter, Paul, or Timothy can help us, but we also need to do our part. You want to be strengthened? You guys want to get established? I was thinking about this the other day. Man, I need to join a gym. Start working out, man, with my son. Because, you know, we got to develop this <laughs> strength, right? But how much more so spiritually? The Bible says bodily exercise profits little. But, man, this godliness, this is what we need strength in. James 5.8, it says, You also be patient, establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. And is the coming of the Lord at hand? You guys read, I was talking to someone the other day, and they were like, well, um, every generation believed that they were the generation that Jesus was coming. And I said, yeah, every healthy generation believes that. I believe that Paul thought Jesus was coming in his day. But when I, I read the news last night, I don't know if you guys ever watch the news or read the newspaper, and I'm like, well, okay, the European Union is telling Russia that they better chillax right? Or else they're going to, whatever they're going to do, and they're probably all talk at this point, right? But, you know, I'm thinking, and then seeing the things that are going on in, in Israel and Iraq and, and just all around the world, the, the beheading of people, and, and I just, I, I'm seeing America go down, which is probably, you know, I don't know, I just see all these things, and I'm like, well, we're, we're at the coming of the Lord. He's coming. So what does the Bible say? Establish your hearts, right? In times like this, these are not days to be Plain church. Don't think that, because you'll get left behind. Are you, are you ready? Is your heart established? You know, the Lord will use other people. We have a responsibility to establish our own hearts and others, ourselves, and even the Lord himself. In Second Thessalonians 3, 3, it says, But the Lord is faithful, who will establish you and guard you from the evil one. Let me ask you a question. Can you be used by God to help others, to establish other Christians? Because not every Christian can. 
I like what Warren Wiersbe said. He said, not every believer is equipped to establish other Christians in the faith. Ideally, every Christian should be mature enough to help other Christians grow in the Lord and learn to stand on their own two feet. Unfortunately, some Christians are like those described in Hebrews 5:11 through 14. They have gone backwards in their spiritual walk and have forgotten the basic truths of the word. Instead of teaching others, they themselves need to be taught again. They are going through a second childhood spiritually. He said, Timothy was the ideal man to send to the church to help them stand firm. You want to know why Timothy could be used to help the other Christians be established? Because he was established. He could teach them how to walk because he was walking. He could teach them how to pray because he was praying. He could teach them how to run because he was running and fight because he was fighting. He can teach them to be a disciple of Christ because he was a disciple of Christ. I mean, you look at this right here and you're like, wow, this is what God wants after six years. <laughs> wow. And God can do that. Timothy was sent, it says right here, to establish them and to encourage them. The Greek word means to call to one side and to speak words of instruction and comfort in order to strengthen them. Remember, sh- caring is sharing. You guys remember that? If you have any extra, you know, whatever, homemade tortillas or whatever, sharing is caring or whatever, you know, you go and you start telling them. You call them to one side and you begin to speak words of encouragement to them. Why? Because Paul was aware of the danger and he wanted to protect them. Again, look at verse 3, that no one should be shaken by these afflictions for you yourselves know that we are appointed to this. For in fact, we told you before when we were with you that we would suffer tribulation just as it happened. And you know. He says, I want to send Timothy to you to establish you and encourage you. Why? Because I know you're going through hard times. And you know that you won't get shaken. Um, Other translations say disturbed. King James Version says moved, that no one will move you. One translation says unsettled. And I like that, unsettled. I mean, you want to be settled in. You want to get unsettled. What can happen a lot of times is you're going to go through hard times and then the devil, the tempter, comes in to move you, to shake you, to unsettle you, to disturb you. And Timothy was there to minister to them at that point. You know, it helps to know, of course, in advance that afflictions are on our agenda. Uh, Paul here, notice what he says about afflictions. We are appointed to this. Right, And so he told them, he informed them, he warned them. And it was part of God's protective plan. And you guys got to know going into this, because I know when you go through difficulties and you experience opposition, there might be that part of you that says, you know what, I'm not going to serve the Lord. Or you might be saying, well, uh, this is, uh, I'm probably you know, in sin or I'm wrong. And of course, you always have to check your heart. But a lot of times you're going through difficulties because you're, you're starting to serve the Lord and you're serving him full force. And when you do, the Bible says that you will suffer persecution. Without a good understanding of the truth concerning the place of suffering in the life of the believer, David Guzik said, we are in great danger of being shaken in our faith. You know, he says right here in verse 4, when we were with you, 
We told you that we would suffer tribulation. And the Greek word means to press as grapes. You guys, can, can you visualize that? Have you ever stepped on a grape? You're like, yeah, I did, and I slipped, and I hit my head. Okay. Well, forget the hidden head part, just the, the stepping on the grapes part. You guys ever see the I Love Lucy when she's stepping on the grapes? Okay, that's what I'm talking about. That's what happens to us. Those are the tribulations. As a matter of fact, this Greek word is an interesting word. It's used for the trodden path. I mean, just stepped on, stepped on, stepped on. Metaphorically, it means to afflict or distress. And we've got to know ahead of time that these things are coming our way. Jesus even said in John 16:33, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, I promise you. But be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. I dare you to put that on your refrigerator. <laughs> in the world we will have tribulation. That's God's promise. So you see the same thing in Acts 14. In verse 22, it says that we must, through many tribulations, enter the kingdom of God. And so affliction and persecution, we find that is going on in the world today. If you're not being persecuted, then maybe you're not doing something right. You know, I I heard the story about a man who was standing at heaven's door. And, uh, and, And so, you know, the angel asked him, well, just before you go in, we gotta we gotta talk. You know, tell me, have you ever done anything good on earth? And the man's all, well, um, you know, there was this lady and uh, her kids, and they were they were getting beat up by this big, you know, hell's angel guy. And so I, I'm not a big guy, but I went in there and, and I fought for them. And I, and I got in between them, and I told them to run away, leave. I'll take care of this. And so the angel said, really? Hmm. When was that? And the man said, that, that was right before I died. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you know, it's okay, though, because I would rather die doing what's right than live for a long time doing what's wrong. Right? And, and when you're serving the Lord and you're really serving the Lord, then you're going to get persecuted. You're going to go through the afflictions. You're going to have appointments with tribulation. But, but that's okay. You know, Warren Wiersbe said the trials and testings that come to our lives as Christians are not accidents, they're appointments. John Corson said appointments with trouble are already on our calendars. It's all part of God's program. And what we find is that if we're not ready for this, are you guys ready for this? Are you guys ready for the day you might get the bad news from the doctor? I'm not saying don't pray for healing, but are you ready for that? Are you ready for this is going to happen to your family member or this was going to go down in the church? Or are you guys, are we ready for this? We can't be moved, we can't be shaken. 1 Peter 2.21, it says, For to this you were called. <laughs> Because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. First Peter 4.12, it says, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. You're like, I don't get it. I'm serving the Lord and I lost my job. Yes, because God has something better for you. Right? And you get ready. You're going to suffer persecution because the devil hates you. He wants to move you. He wants to shake you. But the cool thing is, it's not just the work of the devil. It's also filtered through the sovereignty of God because God's going to work in your life. And when you go through the hard times, 
what ends up happening is you get tested. Now remember, to be tested means that it reveals what's inside of you. And then it's an opportunity to refine what's inside of you. How many of you here, you're like, I'll, I'll grow, Lord. I don't need trials, though. I, I, I'll do it. I, I just read my Bible, God. You know, and, and God's saying, you know what? I, I believe you. I believe your sincerity. But you know what? Even you need to go through the fire, right? Because I need to show you what's going on inside of you. I need to test you. Again, John Croson said, trials don't make or break us. They reveal what's inside. He said this, when I'm driving and hit a bump, the tea that splashes out of the mug on my dashboard was there before the bump. The bump doesn't put the tea in. It just shows what was already in the cup. You see, and that's what trials and, and testings do. They, they kind of reveal. Oh, okay, so that's who I am. <laughs> Forgive me, Lord, and help me to repent of my sin. You know, Paul knew this is his calling even from the day that he got saved. In Acts chapter 9, verse 16, it said, I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. And, you know, I, and I'm, not, I'm not like some doom and gloom guy, some morbid guy, but I just, I, I believe that, you know, when you're like a Job, you know, blameless and upright, you fear God, you shun evil, you will be a, a target of the enemy. And if you're not experiencing anything, you're like, hmm, I, I'm doing pretty good. I, you know, I got, you know, everything's cool. And, you know, I, I eat out at McDonald's and Carl's Jr. And, you know, I got money in the bank and it just, everything's been flowing for a long time. Are you really serving the Lord? Are you really serving the Lord? Because when you're serving the Lord, and you want to live godly, you're going to suffer persecutions. You're going to go through the fire. You know, Paul sent Timothy to establish them, to encourage them, and then also to, to know their faith. Look at, at verse 4. For in fact, we told you before, we're with you, that you'd suffer tribulation just as it happened, and you know, and for this reason, when I could no longer endure it, I sent to know your faith. This by some means the tempter had tempted you and our labor might be in vain. So to establish and encourage, notice there in verse uh, 2, your faith, and then to know your faith. Um, are you still real? Do you still believe? You know, and I know those of you that have been walking with the Lord for a long time, you know, huh, how many people have fallen away. How many people no longer have that faith in God. And I think Paul here, you know, he was concerned with that. You know, to find out whether their faith was still real or their faith was even strong because the tempter, he's described as the tempter even with Jesus in Matthew 4, identified as the devil. You know, he wants to come and, and steal and kill and destroy. You know, He tries to come against Job to take him down. He said, you know what, if I do this, this, and this to him, he will curse you to your face. 
He's got an agenda. It's Jesus, I'll tell you what, all you got to do is fall down and worship me and I'll give you all these things. You don't need to go to the cross. And he's got some pretty good ideas. What we need to do is, man, we have to make sure that we abide and we know the reality of the way it is in the kingdom of God. You know, some people will say, well, yeah, you know, they, they, they said the sinner's prayer, but they live like whatever, and I believe they're Christians. Well, you know what? There's hope. But you got to pray harder. God, let their faith be real. I want to know your faith. you got to show your faith. Right? And so he wanted to find out where they were, because otherwise their efforts may have been in vain, he says. And that word right there, it means without result. You know, fruitless, without effect. And we see that frequently in Paul's writings. You guys, this is not a small issue. It's not. Even for Paul himself, when he died, he said this, I have fought the good fight. I have kept, I have kept the faith. And that's not just him guarding the gospel. That's him believing the gospel. You and I, we got to believe until the day we die. And so he said, I want to know how you guys are doing. Because I know the Bible says in Hebrews 10.38 that the just shall live by faith, but if anyone draws back, God says, my soul has no pleasure in him. And so Paul, he sent Timothy, um, you know, to establish them, encourage them in the faith, and even just to know their faith. But man, when he came back and we see the return of Timothy in verses 6 through 8, he was so super blessed. You know, uh, I remember, I'll tell you guys this story a long time ago. And maybe I already told you. If I did, just raise your hand and I'll stop, okay? <laughs> but a long time ago, I remember we did an outreach. It was a Friday night outreach. I was at another church. I was uh, one of the assisting pastors there. And we did this, man, this big old, we did the best that we could, man, to to bring the people in. And, and kind of, you know, some people came in, but only one person got saved. Only one person. And, you know, uh, you might look at that and you might think, wow, man, what a, what a failure, you know, that is. But you know what the cool thing about that one person over the years, and it's probably been about, you know, a good 16, 17 years now, is uh, I, I see her over the years. She goes to a different Calvary. I got to talk to her about that, but um, no, I'm just joking. <laughs> you know, she goes to a different Calvary, but she, every once in a while she just pop in. Hey, do you need this? Hey, how's it going? I'm like, wow, praise God, you know, your husband died and you're still walking with the Lord. Oh, yeah, and I remember, you know, what you went through. You know, you lost your house and, and you're still walking with the Lord. Oh, yeah, your daughter. Yeah, I know all about that. You're still walking with the Lord. Oh, and now you come back and, you know, she goes to Israel without me. I'm like, what? What's up with that? I've never been to Israel. <laughs> she goes to Israel and she brings me back gifts from Israel. Been through so much. Her faith is still there. And when, she, when, when I see that, you don't know how much it blesses my heart. And that's what we see here. When, when, when Timothy comes back, Oh, man. He says in verse 6, But now that Timothy has come to us from you and brought us good news of your faith and love, and that you always have good remembrance of us, greatly desiring to see us, 
as we also to see you. Therefore, brethren, in all our affliction and distress, we were comforted concerning you by your faith. For now we live if you stand fast in the Lord. And we, we see the report, you know, wow, great news. Great news. Proverbs twenty-five, twenty-five says, As cold water to a weary soul, so is good news from a far country. It's interesting. The word good news right here in verse 6, it's the, the word that we usually translate gospel. How many times have you guys heard it said gospel means good news? Have you guys heard that many times? Well, this is the only time in the New King James that this Greek word is actually translated good news. I mean, it's just super wonderful news that they still love Paul, that they wanted to see Paul. Because again, remember the context was that more than likely these Jewish, these guys from Thessalonica were talking smack about Paul. He said, man, you still want to see us? It's like we want to see you. Oh, praise God. And not only that, your faith and your love, they're real. And it was so such a blessing to him. Later we're going to see in verse 10 and 12 that of course he wants more faith and love. But man, those are the two things. Those are the two pillars, right? Galatians 5 verse 6, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything, but faith working through love. Same truth is taught in Colossians 1 4, 2 Thessalonians 1 3, Philemon Verse 5, and then 1 John 3.23, I like what it says, and this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, there's faith, and love one another as he gave us commandments. There's the faith and love. John Calvin said, in these two words, he states concisely the sum total of godliness. All who aim at this double mark are beyond the danger of error for the whole of their life. You see, that's how huge faith and love, and to hear that, wow, you guys are living in that, it blessed him. It was a wonderful report, and then it just brought him relief there in verse 7. And I'll share this with you guys. Um, As a pastor, and as a leader, and I think for those of you who've been walking with the Lord just as a Christian, you try so hard not to anchor your joy into the lives of other people. You try so hard to because you know that so many people go up and down and all around. And they came forward for the altar call or they used to serve in the ministry and and then, you know, they went down. And, And you try so hard to keep your eyes on the Lord, the one who never moves, right? But it's 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 when you care, it's just impossible to do that when they go down you go down with them you just can't disconnect yourself from that and it breaks your heart right but when they go up and they're walking with the lord and they're serving the lord oh man that's what paul says and it and it's just the way that he says it 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 just trips me out he says for we now live if you, if you guys stand. You know, and that when he heard that, oh, praise God, the joy it gave him. Third John verse 4, I have no greater joy 
than to hear that my children walk in truth. You know, but the the thing is, is, is the word if. Look at verse 8 again, and we'll close with this. For now we live if you stand fast in the Lord. If's a big word. You're like, no, it's not a, lot. It's not a big word, Manny. It's only two letters. No, it's a big word. It's a big word if you stand fast in the Lord. I pray, you guys, that we would know this is what God wants for us. You know, when I, uh, when I think of standing fast in the Lord, I think of holding firm and uh, just um, to the day that we die. That's our prayer. You know, and, I, and I, I'm sorry for always going back to this one rocky, but it's the best one. And I don't, I saw it a long time, so there's probably some bad parts in there. You, you probably shouldn't watch it. Maybe there's a portion on YouTube where you could just see the, the fight. Do you guys remember Rocky too? And Rocky wasn't sure whether or not he should fight Apollo Creed or not because his wife didn't want him to. And then finally, you know, when, when uh, she realized it was the will of God, um, she said, this is all I want you to do. Come here. And then you guys remember? And she gets closer. And then, what? You know, I won't, I won't fight with him if you don't want me to. What do you want me to do? Win. And then you hear the bell, dong, right? Win. And there, there's definitely a message to wives there. But also, you know, the smile on his face. And from that point, he just started like disciplining himself and working so hard to win for the one he loved. And in the end, you guys remember, man, you know, it was a real drama. You know, it's a movie, right? He hits them. They're both on the ground, and they're trying to, you know, reach for the ropes. And then I, I, this is just the, the main thing is this. At the end, he was standing. At the end, he was standing. And that's my prayer, you guys. For me, for you, we're going to get hard, hit hard. We're, we're going to fall down. The enemy will little by little do what he can to make us drift away and lose the fire, the passion, whatever it might be. But my prayer is that you will not allow him to do that to you. You keep coming to church. You keep reading your Bible and praying with an open heart. You keep staying sensitive to the Holy Spirit. You ask others for help if necessary. And you reach out to others if necessary. Because remember what we said in the beginning. And we'll close with this. You know, the, the two legs to stand on is sharing and caring. And I pray that that would, that would be our heart. Yes. Father, we thank you so much. We hope you were encouraged by this study. If you have any questions, please call us at Calvary Chapel El Monte at air code 626-454-3414. Remember that Jesus loves you.